We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we got some things to talk about. Titans made a move on Monday. They helped us out there instead of waiting till Tuesday to do it. They introduced all of their other free agent signings with press conferences, and we're going to talk about some of the remaining needs that this team has as we head into wave two of free agency with the draft right around the corner. Justin, how's it going? I'm doing well. They uh, made an interesting signing on Monday, as you said, so excited to kind of talk about that. Some great quotes from some of the new signings in free agency. I thought there were some really interesting things said. And uh, I, on my end, have worked through some technical difficulties, I think. I uh, apologize to our listeners last week who noticed that the majority of the episode was unlistenable. We did (laughs) not know uh, until the episode was already out which prevented us from being able to amend the issue. I spent some time on the weekend trying to figure out what it was. Again, apologies to our listeners and hoping that is behind us and will not happen again. From my end, it sounds great now. So hopefully everyone can forgive (laughs) us. I mean, I I thought it was hard to listen to, but understand, like I could understand what you were saying, but it was, yeah, it wasn't the most pleasant um, audio experience. Hopefully we've got things fixed for this episode Let's start off right off the bat here with the Titans' biggest news. They have added another piece since our last taping. Cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting, previously with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He won a Super Bowl with the Bucs with Tom Brady's first year in Tampa Bay. What do we know about this guy? How does he slot into the Titans' defense? Well, I remember him coming out in the 2019 NFL draft, right? He was a small school guy, I believe, out of Central Michigan. He went fairly high in the draft. I think they took him at 39th overall, which I I agreed with at the time. Again, I really liked him. You know, anytime you're taking one of those small school kids that high, there's some risk involved. And I do think it's fair to say that he probably hasn't lived up to the billing, right, of a 39th overall pick, an early second rounder. Um, but he's a, he's a good football player. I, I like him. I thought he had a good year this past year. It was, it's considered his best year of his career. If you look at the numbers through pro football focus, and I know it's you know, not the end-all, be-all, but he allowed just 22 receptions on 40 targets. That's very good, right? Barely a completion percentage above 50%. He only allowed 7.8 yards per catch. That's really good. I mean, anytime you're giving up less than a first down per catch, you'll find a lot of corners, even good ones. You know, if they give up a catch, it tends to be somewhere between, you know, nine to 12 yards. So to average 7.8, I thought that's really good. And then opposing quarterbacks, they only saw a quarterback rating of 78.2 when throwing in his direction. Again, that, that's very good. So some great numbers for him. He was obviously met by a bit of a soft market in free agency, nonetheless, because he gets a one-year deal with the Titans worth up to $5 million, and that's the right. language, worth up to $5 million. So it's obviously worth less than a base salary of $5 million. Pro- you know, some incentives, active on game day, statistical uh, feats he has to reach. It's a good deal. How he fits, he's versatile. He's played essentially every position on the back end. But I would imagine they're bringing this guy in to play the boundary. Right. If, if I had to guess right now, I think he's starting opposite Christian Fulton week one 
on the boundary there. I, I, you know, again, yes, he's played some nickel. He's played even some safety, but of course you've got your, you know, your Kevin Byer, Damani Hooker at safety. You've got options at the nickel, right? Whether it's a, a returning Elijah Molden or moving Roger McCreary out there on, on a more consistent basis. I guess at the end of the day is the good thing is you have options. When, when, when I see them playing three corners and they'll do that a lot, right? You have to, in today's NFL, I see Christian Fulton, Roger McCreary, and Sean and Bunting here being your, your top three corners. Now, whether he's on the boundary and at the nickel or McCreary's in the nickel or on the boundary, semantics, right? Those three guys will be on the field. It's good to have options. You could switch them in and out. Uh, I, I like the signing. I, we've been, ta- I, we said it last week, corner is an underrated need, Yeah. right? B- based on Fulton entering a contract year, Molden and Farley, you don't really know what you have. Uh, you probably know what you have in Farley, in all honesty, but I think you still have some remaining hope with Molden. Um, you don't know what you have. You needed to go out and get a guy, a veteran guy. I, di- I didn't want them to throw more just draft capital at it because they're already so young at the position. This guy's fairly young at 25, but at least he's already played four years in the NFL. Ultimately, I, I, I like the signing, and I think he's going to play a pretty big role for them next year. I fully agree. And yeah, you said it, the uh, the cornerback depth was n- not anything that Titans fans should have been excited about. This adds a piece. And like you said, you still have Elijah Molden. You still have Trey Avery in that room now as well. So that this is a room that could grow together. If Christian Fulton can stay on the field, they'll be better than if he can't, obviously. But I think you also need to have depth in this position group because you know a guy like Christian Fulton and a guy like Elijah Molden have extensive injury history. So I think it's important to have guys. And I don't think this takes cornerback off the board when the draft rolls around. Maybe not at pick 11, but maybe at pick 11. If you see Christian Fulton playing out his his the final year of his contract in Tennessee and moving on after this, then you're going to need another guy that you can count on as like a lockdown cornerback. So I still wouldn't rule that out at pick 11 overall. I like that you said that because I didn't. And secondly, uh, I talked about Christian Fulton entering a contract year. Well, this guy's entering a contract year too, right? He only signed a one-year deal. So both of them are, are on contract years. You've got, again, Molden coming off the injury, a big injury. He barely played. Farley, I mean... You talked about injury issues with Fulton and Molden. What about Far? That's not that's not a guy that doesn't have injury issues, right? I think we could say so. Uh, it's it's a really good signing. It's a big one for them. Uh, uh, I think he's going to play good football for them. I think he fits the scheme. I think he fits what they want to do defensively. They needed to go get a guy. I'm glad they did, and I'm glad they just didn't do it through the draft. I agree. It doesn't take it all. It doesn't take it off the table again because of what what I in terms of both these guys entering contract years, both your starters. So doesn't take it off the table. But almost similar to what they did at tackle is it's no longer a necessity, right? You don't have to pick a corner at eleven. You got some good players there. You got some depth. Trey Avery, of course, will be a second year, uh, you know, UDFA as well. So uh, all in all, I'm glad they did what they did on Monday. I fully agree. And it's interesting how quickly this developed because, you know, in this second wave now, after the first week of free agency wraps up, you typically have guys who take visits before they actually sign. It's kind of like an interesting thing that doesn't really happen in the first wave because teams are trying to get deals done so fast. But Ian Rappaport reported on Sunday that Sean Murphy Bunting was scheduled to visit with Tennessee on Monday. And if things went well, he could, you know, they could agree to a deal. And it seems like that the visit must have gone really well, and they agreed to terms. It felt like almost right away. He's already been active on Twitter, sharing the the announcement of his signing in a quote tweet, and then tweeting out Cashville. So he looks excited to join this defense, and um, I think it'll be interesting to see what he can add. Anything else on him before we move on? No, I, th- I think that does it. 
Let's talk about some of the best quotes we found, or we heard, I should say, uh, today when the tit- or Monday, depending on when you're listening to this, when the Titans introduced their newest players, all of their free agent signings went up to the podium and talked. Where do you want to start here? I think maybe the most interesting quote that came out of this to me was uh, from Arden Key, actually, talking mm-hmm. about how he had, he had, uh, I think he was asked in his press conference, like, did you have a chance to talk to Christian Fulton or Racy McMath because they all went to LSU? And he said that, wait, what was it? He said that they called he said him. He, I, no, I think he called them. I think they said, oh, did they reach out to you or something? And he said, I called them. Right. So he was asked in his presser, I think on Monday, if uh, Christian Fulton or Racy McMath had reached out to him after, you know, he joined the Titans because they all played together at LSU. And he said, no, I called them before I signed to see what the vibe was in Tennessee. And, you know, all this talk that we've been doing on this podcast and it's been out there also also is like, are the Titans rebuilding? How competitive are they going to be in 2023? But to hear that two guys on the team and one of them a, a pretty big member of your defense thinks that they will be competitive in 2023 and that this is a great locker room. Mike Vrabel's a great coach and they all love playing here. To hear them tell that to a free agent to help them with the recruiting efforts of signing a guy that's going to play significant snaps for them this season, I thought it's just another good sign of where this team has, is at culture-wise, regardless of how good they actually end up being on the field. And I think they're going to be solid, and it's all going to come down to whether or not Ryan Tannehill is on the team, honestly. I think it's about going to tell us how good this team is and how much they can compete. But if you do have Ryan Tannehill back, then this team does have a realistic chance to go win the AFC South again. Well, yeah, and I think it was Arden Key that said um, he also reached out to Jeffrey Simmons and, 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 and a couple other players to ask them if they really thought they could compete for the AFC South this year. And they said, hell yes, um, was the response that he got. And, and I know you and I have talked a lot about the best route to take. And you, we still may be in agreement that um, you know they, they should have interest in getting a really good quarterback in the 2024 um, NFL draft. I do think the current makeup of this roster with Derrick Henry, with Kevin Byard, with Jeffrey Simmons, with a healthy Ryan Tannehill, with some improvements on the offensive line, with a really good defense, uh, which I still think it is, um, I think, yes, I, I do think they could win, you know, 10 football games this year and win the division. By the way, a, a point I want to add, because I just thought of the defense. Um, I saw a lot of people mentioning it on Twitter, and it's true. This essentially, after the signing of Sean Murphy Bunting, essentially confirms their starting lineup on D. But now injuries happen, but they've got their 11, and it's a really good 11. And they need some depth behind them, um, but it's a good starting defense. And it brings me to that point of, yes, they can win the division, I think, in 2023 with this, with the makeup. And of course, they're going to add more pieces and we're, we're, we're factoring that in, right? We know they're going to add more, whether it's through the draft or through free agency or trade, they're going to get another receiver or two, right? In this room, they're going to get tight ends. They're going to get some defensive depth, you would think. So um, factoring that in, forecasting, uh, yeah, I do think Arden Key is correct. And, the, you know, my favorite thing he said, you said that was yours. I had a different one. Um, he said that he felt disrespected by the Jacksonville Jaguars, by the offer he received in free. He made it sound like they did make an offer to him, but that it was a low ball. And, you know, considering he got a fairly modest contract, right? Three years, 21 million from the Titans, 7 million annually. Whatever Jacksonville offered sounds pretty disrespectful because I, I, I didn't come into this. And yeah, you know, you and I, you can call us biased, but I think it would be fair to say the Titans did not overpay for Arden right. Key. Like three years, Certainly 21 not. million. No, it's, it's a fair deal. So, Whatever Jacksonville offered was clearly, you know, they probably, well, what are they, two years, 10 million? 
one year, 5 million? What could it have been? Three years, 15? Who knows, right? But the favorite quote was how he said, still got love for the, you know, the fan base, the team. This, of course, they're not the ones that slighted him, right? It's the front office that slighted him. And I love how he ended that quote by saying, and he had a grin on his face. If you didn't see it, he said, get to play them twice. Yeah. Similar to the Danico Autry coming over from Indianapolis right, yeah. deal, although Autry was in Indianapolis longer than Arden Key was with the Jags. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that next. And it's just, you know, interesting to see that the Jaguars had him in their building and didn't really value him coming back this year. But the Titans obviously did. And Rand Carthon was in San Francisco with him for a year, too. So it's not like he would, you know, there's I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about his work ethic or his locker room presence or anything like that, even though the Jags didn't want him back. I think it's just an interesting it's a great chance for the Titans to pick up a guy who deserves a bigger role and to give him that bigger role and see what he can do. Um, my next favorite thing that we heard that we found out in the press conferences, and this isn't like favorite because it's such a great quote or anything. I just think it's insightful to the team's process here. And this one came from Andre Dillard, who said that uh, the Titans told him that they want athletic offensive linemen who can get out in space. And that is just something for all you draft Knicks who are wondering what the mm-hmm. Titans might be looking at at offensive line in this draft. That's it. That's what they're looking for. They want guys who are athletic, who can get out in space. It's sort of, um, you know, that's pretty much what you would say defines Andre Dillard. I think you would say that that could define Aaron Brewer. He's a smaller guy, but he's athletic and he can get out in space. We'll see where... Um, all these guys end up slotting in, but Dillard also said that he expects to play left tackle. So that's kind of in line with what we were all thinking. But I think, you know, when you hear that quote, Justin, how does that affect your impression of who the Titans might be targeting if they were to go with an offensive tackle early in the draft? Well, uh, there are a few things I want to say. Number one, um, it, it doesn't really change um, what I thought, but, it's still a positive development because it reinforces what I thought. I, I think I'm on the right track here because the one thing you didn't mention that I think it says the most, when I hear that they told them they want athletic linemen that can move in space, to me, it just reiterates that they're not getting away from this zone-based running scheme. Because mm. what, what does that zone-based scheme do? It's not so much a hat on a hat, right? It's more about reaching a landmark, right? And you got to get to your spot before the defender gets to his spot. And how do you do that? By being a good athlete, by moving well in space. So you and I have discussed how we think that's going to be the case. They're not changing the scheme. And hearing him say that to me really just reinforces this is still going to be a zone-based running scheme. But to the point you mentioned, it also does help you identify fits in the draft because you should be looking at good athletes. You should be looking at guys that can play in a zone scheme. And for me at the top, it's still relatively similar. I think Paris Johnson moves really well. I think Peter Skaronsky moves really well. Then when I get to the later rounds, I start thinking of uh, Blake Freeland, a tackle out of BYU, who, by the way, go look up the relative athletic score. It's through the roof. He was incredible at the combine. They've run a lot of zone-based concepts at BYU lately. I, I, I remember that because a few years ago, and I think this is always, you know, good to give our listeners, they signed a UDFA lineman out of BYU like a year Hmm. or two ago. The name escapes me now, but I interviewed him at the time. He didn't make the final roster, but I did run that interview on Broadway Sports Media. It was the same year they signed Cole Banwart out of Iowa. 
Chandon Herring. Yes, it was Chandon Herring. Good, good call out of BYU. They signed Chandon Herring. I remember asking him, hey, what did you, you know, what, what kind of opened your eye about the Titans? Why them? And he said, look, I know they run a lot of outside zone. We run a ton of outside zone here at BYU. I'm very familiar with the scheme. I love it. Well, here, now we got another guy coming out of BYU. That's a great athlete. Uh, he's a mid-round tackle. I, you know, I, I don't think he gets into round two. I think he's more of a round three, four guy. But that's a guy that should be on your radar. He, he should be on the Titans radar as well. But these are the things I think of. Uh, mm-hmm. When you mentioned when you mentioned something like that, and it was very insightful comment from Dillard. It was probably my second favorite comment of the day because that's that's where my wheels start going right away. Started spinning. I go, right. okay. You think of guys in the draft. You also think um, that we've probably got confirmation that this is going to be a pretty similar running scheme here. Anything else that Dillard said that stood out to you? That would that would no. I don't want to see. That was the big one. I I did appreciate that he talked about. Um, wanting to play left tackle. That's where he sees himself um, uh, playing. He talked about how you know thrilled he was to land in Nashville. He wanted to continue his career, wanted to continue with that left tackle, and he felt the Titans was the right fit. I thought he shot a... Excuse me. I thought he showed a lot of emotion. I thought he showed a lot of... Um, he was very genuine, in my opinion, and uh, excited to have him here. He's going to be uh, certainly give them better left tackle play than they had in 2022, and that's, enough, that's all you're trying to do. Right when you get a yeah. guy in the building, a new guy, you want him to be better um, than the guy he's replacing, and in this case, uh, that'll certainly be uh, the case. And he said that it feels like the Titans really believe in him, and that he believes in himself and his abilities. And this is a place where he can really come and help the team, and and he himself can grow as a player and as a person. So. All good things from Andre Dillard. Let's stick with the offensive line here as we roll through this. Daniel Brunskill, to me, the most interesting thing that he said. Um, and he mentioned that he he sees himself as having been a better pass protector than run blocker throughout his career. But he said that he came here because he knows Tennessee runs the ball and he wants to run the damn ball, which is like just in line with everything we we're just saying about how this offense is probably not going to look that much different from what we've seen. Maybe the timing of the play calls will improve. That's what you hope. But overall, <laughs> philosophically, I don't think it's going to look much different. Um And then the other big note from Brunskill is that we did not get any confirmation on where he will line up. So we all expect that he'll probably be the right guard and that Aaron Bruner will play center. But Brunskill has played center in his career. And I think there's an argument to be made that he could be the center. Because if you think that Aaron Brewer is a little bit weaker in terms of like pure strength and ability to block bigger guys, maybe you're better off staggering good left tackle. We have no idea who the left guard is. Good strong center. No idea who the right guard is. Aaron Brewer could be left guard, could be right guard. And Nicholas Petit-Friere on the on the far outside. And then you kind of have like your three guys that you know are set, staggered with two positions in the middle that might be a little bit weaker. If Brunskill has more of a veteran presence and more knowledge of the system and is better at making calls at the line of scrimmage and checks and protections and things, maybe he gets the edge over Brewer in that regard. But I think we'll have to wait till training camp to find out exactly what the plan is here. Yeah, I don't disagree with you that we'd be foolish to pencil in Aaron Brewer as the you know the starting center and, and Brunskill as the starting right guard. The only thing that stops me short of actually predicting that it won't be the case is they did pay Aaron Brewer nearly $5 million, right? I, I'd be pretty surprised if he's not a starter based on the amount of money he's going to earn. And I, I, I do think he's probably a better fit at center 
then he is, you talked about him being a little weaker or struggling in pass protection. Well, you can hide some of those deficiencies better at center than you can at guard, right? Because you won't see as many of those one-on-ones, right? That's true. You're, you're more tasked with running some of those double teams, right? Double teaming, uh, you know, helping the left guard execute a double team, helping the right guard execute a double team. So uh, I think it's likely that he's a center. But look, if they get a couple more guards in here, whether they get one in the draft, they think is a surefire starter day one, uh, they get another in free agency, and all of a sudden it's it's it, there's lots of competition at all these positions, then yeah, maybe Brewer becomes even your sixth lineman, right? And, and it's Brunskill at center. Again, I'm not predicting this because that would require them to get two more guards now that they don't have uh, as of now, assuming Jamarco Jones doesn't get into this mix. Cause I, I, I can't imagine he's going to, uh, he will. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to stop, you know, I'm going to stop so- short of saying Aaron Brewer is definitely your starting center or he's definitely a starter period. I just think it leans that way with the amount of money that they paid him. And then certainly him being a better fit at center after, you know, they released Ben Jones. We'll see how it goes. But I did like that quote from him about running the football. It, it is interesting to hear him say he's a better pass protector. Of course it, slightly goes against the identity that we think they're going to have again, especially with no receivers, which we'll get into. And Derrick Henry is <laughs> still back there um, at, at running back. But lately I've made a habit, you know, I do lots of player interviews, draft interviews. I've made a habit over the last year and a half to ask linemen, do you prefer to play in pass protection or in run blocking? And silly of me, I didn't expect the answer that I consistently get to it. Uh, that question even though some guys tell me I think I'm better in pass protection every single player that I've asked that question has told me they rather run block and they've all given a similar variation of the answer what they go you know what and I'm like damn you're right pass protection man that's skewed to the D lineman if we're in third and long they know we're passing the ball they know we're in pass protect they got the upper hand right I have the upper hand when I'm run blocking they don't know what's coming um, so it's always interesting to hear a guy say, I want to run the football, even though I think I'm better in pass pro. Right. Yeah, I think that that's kind of an offensive lineman mentality is they want to run the ball. And that's why you see like that one play the Titans had last year where you got all the offensive linemen carrying Derrick Henry and <laughs> and they all get up and celebrate like those guys want to run the ball. You get them fired up and inspired to play better football when you when you give them the chance to run block more. So I like that as well. Anything else that Brunskill said or should we look at? um Aziz Alshair. Yeah, we'll move on to Aziz. The last thing I'll say about Brunskill is the when I watched his presser, the feeling I got, and it's a sentence the Titans have used in the past, Mike Vrabel has used, and I bet they would agree with the assessment on, on why they went after Brunskill. He's about what they're about. He's tough. He's nasty. He wants to run the football. He's positional, versatile. He's a leader captain type player in the clubhouse I think they're two years five million or five and a half million whatever it is they got him on I think they're gonna really really like this football player I fully agree all right let's talk about Aziz here because he also had some interesting things and to me I think <laughs> the the biggest thing for for Aziz is his backstory is crazy and um they they asked him about his his growing up. You know, he was homeless for a little bit. He watched his grandmother's house burn down where he was living with his seven siblings. And they all moved into a motel, one-bedroom motel room together. I mean, this guy has had a, quite a life. And um, he talked about how he went undrafted. And it 
didn't jive with what his vision of himself as a, as a football player would be. And he talked about how much that motivated him to keep working hard and what it means to him to get a contract like this, where he can come in and be a starter because obviously he was sort of the third linebacker with the 49ers and didn't have that chance, but he's a guy who wants to hit. He is a football player to his core. And, uh, I, I love this kid just listening to him talk in the press conference today. He was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. And, and that story in itself, it's, it, it, it's crazy. You feel for the guy, but you couldn't be happier for him, right? That, that life worked right. out in his favor and he worked as hard as he possibly could um, to get where he is. How, how about him poking fun of Paul Kuharski? I mean, that was hilarious. I, I couldn't believe, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, good for him. I mean, obviously it was all in good fun and Paul handled it well, right? Paul, he probably took it as a bit of a slight. Paul said, Hey, you want to put on weight? Cause he's about 225, 226 undersized linebacker. You want to put on weight? And he said, well, I don't want to look like you. Right. <laughs> and then I thought that was unbelievable. And then Paul asked him to guess his weight. Right. Which was hilarious. Good on Paul for again, being a good sport. And he said, what are you? 210? And Kowarski said, Hey, I'm 185, man. And how about <laughs> as he's coming back with another stinger going, well, it's the way you carry it. It's all in the midsection. <laughs> and so, oh I don't know if you heard that or not. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was uh, it was gold. I'm like, is he all? Does he already know players have beef with Paul Kaharski at times? Did he just inherit it when he signed with the Titans? Did someone <laughs> warn him, or was it just a perfect storm of coincidence where uh, he just saw an opportunity to you know take a friendly jab at a guy and went for it? Yeah, I, I love that so much. I think this guy's going to be a really fun player to root for. And that's what I've heard from 49ers fans as well. Um, quickly from Luke Gifford, uh, not a whole lot noteworthy from him, except that I do think it's interesting. He said that the Titans see in him value and the opportunity to do more on defense. So we all kind of pencil in uh, Monty Rice as the starter next to Al Shire. Maybe it's uh, Luke Gifford rotating in there as well because... He, he seems to think that he's going to have an opportunity to play on defense. What did you take from this? Well, I interviewed him recently for Broadway Sports Media, and he said the exact same thing, and we talked about it. And, and when he was leaving Dallas, by the way, the reporters in Dallas that covered him and they wrote about his exit to Tennessee, they said that the coaches in Dallas always thought he was capable of handling a bigger role. They just didn't feel he got the opportunity. They've had lots of linebackers in and out of the lineup there. You know, Leighton Vander Esch has been a guy there for several years. Jalen Smith played the position for a while. Mika Parsons came in there at off-ball linebacker originally. So they've had a lot of linebackers. They always felt he was a guy um, that could play the role. And look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, put my hand up here. When I interviewed him, I didn't know a ton about him defensively. And I asked him, are you a run stopper or, or, a, or uh, someone that can defend the pass? And I'm going to admit something I probably shouldn't, but – you know, small school, undrafted, white linebacker. You fit, you're always <laughs> think, and he got comparisons to Will Compton on Twitter. You were here, oh, this guy's going to be a try-hard run stopper. Right? I mean, look, guy, guys get, in the draft, I'm seeing these guys, you know, guys get labeled with, with stereotypes all the time that we shouldn't, we shouldn't label anybody with. And, you know, I, I, I'm guilty. I, I, but then what did he say? He said to me, oh, I'm a, I'm a guy that plays in coverage, man. My background's in coverage. I'm sideline to sideline. I love playing in that role. I've played it in college a lot, so I'm used to it. Then you go look up his relative athletic score, RAS. Uh, you know, shout out to Math Bomb. He's extremely athletic in the combine, right? So there might be some untapped potential here. He certainly feels that way. The Cowboys coaches felt that way. The Titans coaches feel that way. 
spots up for grabs at linebacker, man. I know they signed Aziz Elshire after they brought in uh, Gifford, so you presume it's going to be Aziz and Monty Rice starting, but don't expect this guy to get into the mix. And Jack Gibbons is there I as well. I was going to say, Jack Gibbons will have a chance too. Yeah, so that's I, I, I foresee a fairly open competition at linebacker, and guys get hurt, there's rotation. I do think Gifford's going to get a chance to get into that lineup at some point. Nice. All right. Before we talk about team needs and Nick we- Nick Westbrook, Akina being back, as well as some rumors surrounding Kevin Byard, what's going on here? Let's hit our beef of the week presented by the Pharmacy Ooh. Burger Parlor and Beer Garden, the best burgers in Nashville. Check them out. Make sure you tell them the Music City Audible sent you. I'll get us going again, Justin, if you don't mind here. My beef of the week is with the Buffalo Bills. Why? Because while we were taping this podcast, they signed Damian Harris. What does this have to do with the Titans? Well, I'm of the opinion the Titans should sell all their assets that have any value at all and plan for 2024. And that, to me, means trading away Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. The Buffalo Bills... After you said this team is competing and is going to win, can win for 9, 10 games AFC South. Whether or not they win 9 or 10 games (laughs) is, like, dependent on Ryan Tannehill being on the roster. If they don't trade Tannehill, this team is going for South division title if they do trade Ryan Tannehill this team is going for the number one overall pick it's that simple and I do think that that one player makes that big of a difference for this roster because the offense without Ryan Tannehill I don't even want to watch it but also having Derrick Henry traded would be something that would help them be a more tankable you know have a more tankable route this year anyway the Bills signing Damian Harris pretty much takes them out of the running for trading for Derrick Henry and they were like the most easy dot connecting destination for him as like a com- uh, competitive team that could use a stronger running presence that didn't really have anybody there after the Devin Singletary walked in free agency signed with the Houston Texans. So my beef of the week is with the Buffalo Bills for not trading their late first round pick to the Titans for Derrick Henry. The end. I love that one. I'm going to switch <laughs> it up. I do. I do have something for us. My beef of the week is with a different team. It's with the Houston Texans. I'm tired of seeing them make good, smart signings in Hmm. free agency this period. Uh, Devin Singletary is an all right signing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not writing home about it, but I do think he's a quality number two back and will be a good change of pace to, uh, to Damian Pierce. So that's a good signing, but damn it, that Dalton Schultz signing. That's yeah. a really good signing. That's a tight end. You would love to see the Titans have gone after. They got a fairly good deal on him too. They're saying that his market in free agency wasn't what he thought it was. I think we could essentially believe those reports because what does he do? He takes a one year prove it deal with the Texans one year, 9 million up to 9 million. They got a great deal on this guy. He's a dual threat tight end, a guy that's capable of giving you 700 receiving yards. You know I operate in this world. You know what he's thinking. They got no receivers right now. That receiver room is all just as bad as the Titans receiver room right now. Right? After, it's trading, Nico, yeah. after trading Brandon Cooks Brandon to the Cooks, Cowboys. Yes. It's Nico Collins, who I like. John Mechie, we haven't seen yet. Amari Rogers uh, looks like a bust. And Rob, mm. the, ghost, the ghost of Robert Woods, right? <laughs> so it's like... Not a very good receiver room. He's thinking, I'm going there, one-year deal. I'm going to be their number one target. I'm getting seven, 800 yards. Then I get to go elsewhere. Hey, it's good for him, but it's going to be good for the Texans as well, right? And the Titans could have been on the receiving end of that. Could have been a similar thing in Tennessee. Yes, they got Traylon Burks, but he very clearly would have been a number one slash number two in Tennessee. Good signing with the Houston Texans. Because of that, that's my beef of the week. I'm fully with it. I think those are a pair of great beefs of the week. You can get the best beef in Nashville at the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you say beefs of the week? Those are good beefs of the week. What's wrong with that? I love that you said that because let me tell you a little story. 
as you probably know, <laughs> beef is not plural, right? You just say beef. Beefs is not a word that you're supposed to use. What if you have two beefs? Uh, so <laughs> apparently you still just have beef. But I'm going to tell you why I love this so much. Because as you know, my background is, we're extending beef of the week here. I'm, my background is Portuguese, right? Yes, I'm Canadian, ah. but my, I think people know my parents were born in Portugal. I'm fluent in Portuguese. And growing up here in, in Canada with a lot of Portuguese uncles that speak broken English, if you ever go over one of your relatives' house, and we love beef, Portuguese people love beef. If they had beef, they would always say, you want some beefs? You want to eat some beefs? And I'll never forget the first time my brother brought his girlfriend over. She's not Portuguese. And she heard someone say, hey, eat some beefs. You want to eat some beefs? She was like, what the hell? Who the hell says beefs? That's not a word. And every time we want to get under her skin, we say, you are wrong. It is a word. Beefs is an official English word. Because if I got more than one piece of beef, I got beefs on my plate and hearing you, I've never heard anyone say that. Anyone else say that for you to say beefs right there. That gave me a hell of a callback for our beef of the week. I love that. So get all the beefs that you can get from the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden in Nashville. And uh, let's wrap up this episode here with some team needs. The Titans do have a number of team needs. Despite free agency signing, what, six players so far, they also re-signed Nick Westbrook-Akina since we last talked, where we basically said, good job, Titans, you finally moved on from Nick Westbrook, (laughs) and now he's back in the building on a really cheap deal, obviously didn't find the market he was looking for, so he will be back with the Titans. The question is, where on the depth chart will he slot? Because I think as we sit here recording this podcast on March 20th, the Titans' biggest remaining need is at the wide receiver position. And I say that knowing that they don't really have a starting left guard on the roster right now. It's not even close. It's not even close. It is the biggest need by far, right? Right now they've got Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine, who got just a little over the vet minimum on a one-year deal, and Racy McMath. I think there might be a fifth receiver under contract, but it's no one of note. I mean, this is... It's bad. It's really bad. It's the worst in the NFL, in it my opinion. It probably is. Yeah, in I all honesty, it if it's not 32nd, it's 31st, right? <laughs> and and I'm not going to be that guy that says, like, you know, what are they doing in for agency, yada, yada. But uh, it it's a little surprising they haven't done anything yet because, you know, I thought Jacoby Myers was a decent fit. He got a three-year uh, reasonable deal with the Raiders. You know, there was whispers he was going to be overpaid $15 million a year. He didn't get anywhere near that. He got just a hair over eleven, I believe. I thought that was reasonable for Jacoby Myers. I thought Alan Lazard is a terrific fit for this offense. He's a vertical guy, can take the top off the defense. He's also a really good blocker. Can't ignore it. We know they like guys that can block. He's a great blocker. That's part of the reason the Jets signed him. I know it's got to do with Aaron Rodgers too, but guess what? They run the same offense the Titans do, right? Keith Carter's there. Todd Downing's there. He's played in this offense before. Matt LaFleur, Green Bay, you know all the connections to the staff. Really good fit for this scheme. Okay. They didn't, you know, maybe they thought he was overpaid. Then you look at, I thought some under the radar guys, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, both of them, New York Giants. I know Slayton was a re-sign, but they got both those guys. Really reasonable deals. Really reasonable deals for both Slayton and Campbell. You look at what's out there in free agency, it's bad. There's not really anyone left that's going to move the needle, in all honesty. DJ Char- Chark's probably the best one. Guess what? He's already attracted interest from two other teams that are not the Titans. I bet he ends up with one of them, right? The Lions have talked about, yeah, the Lions talked about re-signing him. The Carolina Panthers brought him in for a visit. Panthers already signed Adam Thielen as well. 
Who's out there besides DJ Chark, Nicole Hardman, Richie James? It's bad. There's not anyone they can... Olamide Zacchaeus, who played with the Falcons. Oh God, no, yeah, no, that's not gonna, that's not gonna <laughs> help. I promise you, that's not gonna yeah. help. So, and this is the reason that I said the Titans' fate like hinges so much on if Ryan Tannehill is still on the roster because if you have Malik Willis or random veteran journeyman backup bridge quarterback X, whoever that may be, as your starting quarterback, if these are your receiving options, you're not going to have passing game success. Ryan Tannehill might be able to elevate these players and and have some find some success in the passing game. It's not going to be tremendous. It's not going to be like 2019, 2020 when he had AJ Brown and and you know good receiving options on the field. But at least you know he's a guy that can help manage an offense and and try to elevate some of these receiving options. If you have someone else at quarterback, I mean you're not going anywhere this season, and that's why I think that that's so important and why this receiver is still such a big need. I don't think it's out of the question. We talked about. You know, offensive tackle, big possibility at pick 11. Uh, cornerback, still a possibility at pick 11. Bijan Robinson should be the pick at pick 11. But <laughs> you have um, wide receiver is a dark horse, you know, option for the Titans at pick 11 that would not surprise me at all. And I heard Daniel Jeremiah today say on an NFL Plus, con- some a piece of NFL Plus content with um, with Joel Klatt talking about draft prospects that he thinks that there could be a connection between Jackson Smith and Jigba and the Titans. They both think, Joel Klatt and DJ, both think Jackson Smith and Jigba will be the first receiver off the board and that the Titans actually kind of make sense. Obviously, the Ohio State connection there is very much prominent between him, between Mike Vrabel's pass and, and Ohio State. And you look at what this guy was able to do playing alongside receivers like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and outproducing them when they were all on the roster together. He has an injury history, which, you know, maybe the Titans want to stay away from that, given where the, where they're headed and what Mike Vrabel has said in recent press conferences. But if they are willing to take the risk with the injuries, super talented player that I would not rule out as the, the potentially the pick at number 11. I love him. He's my favorite receiver in this draft. If I can play devil's advocate against myself here, because I feel like I like him so much that my opinion is the unpopular one. Hmm. A lot of people don't think he's worth the 11th overall pick. Um, he's not a physically imposing receiver, right? He's not right. going to blow you away physically. He's not a very good blocker because of that, right? He's not going to really block much for you. And it's a hamstring that held them out a, a lot of 2022, right? Do they want, do they want another guy with a hamstring? Traylon Burks had hamstring issues. They've got a ton of guys with hamstring issues on the roster already, right? That they've tried to get away from quote unquote. So. And did get away from in David did, Long. Yeah. And Nate Davis a little, even though it wasn't really a hamstring for Nate Davis, but just recurring, you know, things that kept him out. So right. there's, there's some pushback there. And a lot of people will tell you, like, when they come on the board at 11, he's probably not going to be the best player available. Almost right. well, certainly not. Unless yeah, Bijan Robinson is a top 10 pick, he won't be. I'm going to keep pounding you. this drum. I, I, I know, don't, like, I hear sorry if it annoys our listeners, but I will continue to do this. No, I, I, think it's a, I, I like it. I think it's a bit you should stick with, in all honesty. He's second best player in the draft, in my opinion. It's not particularly close. So, yeah. um, Is he going to be one of the best 11 players? Probably not. Do I think he's better than Christian Gonzalez, a corner out of Oregon? I don't. Do I think he's better than Paris Johnson? I don't. So I think he's even better than a, a Tyree Wilson or a Miles Murphy pass rusher. I don't. Not that I advocate for them to pick a corner or an edge, but I don't think he's better than those football players. Period. So I, I don't right. even think he's. I don't think he's better than Peter Skaronsky. 
who might play guard. And I get it. Positional value does come into play there, but uh, he's not better than any of those guys in this class. So Quinton Johnston, bigger receiver, physically impressive. A lot of people thought he might be the first guy off the board. Unfortunately, didn't really test. Didn't, you know, they were projecting four, three for him at the combine. He didn't run at all. If he yeah. ran four, three, I'd say he's the first receiver off the board because he's whatever he is, six, two, six, three, 200 pounds. The combine wasn't good to these receivers. And it's not a surprise. Yeah. It goes hand in hand with the evals. Cause you know what? It's not a very good receiver class. Why would it be a good combine for them? Well, exactly. it wasn't. It just confirmed everything uh, we essentially thought. So they've got work to do to fix this position. They got a lot of work to do. How about DeAndre Hopkins? Not that I'm going to advocate for it, but he's still going to get traded. I have found myself wondering if um, uh, they're not going to get what they want for him. And they're Arizona. not. They, they obviously want aren't yeah. because if, if they would have gotten a second round pick for him, it, it would have already happened. And the and number you know of what? teams that have the capital to make that trade and the need are falling away. I mean, the biggest like team that could use DeAndre Hopkins that has the capital to acquire him, in my opinion, is the Patriots. Kansas but Bill O'Brien, though, Kansas City Chiefs too, in my opinion. Chiefs would be very interesting. I could definitely <laughs> see the Chiefs making that move to upgrade their, you know, go they for They lost it. Juju, right? Yeah. And try to try to run it. They're losing Michael Hardman. Go try to run it back and win another Super Bowl with Hopkins. I think that that's a pretty good possibility. But the Titans, the problem problem with the Titans is the lack of draft picks this year. Yes. yes. Would the Cardinals, who are probably not even playing for 2023 with Kyler Murray's injury and a new head coach yep. coming in and like a, yep. a full rebuild going on there, would they take a 2024 pick for Hopkins, where the Titans have more capital to spend? Would the Titans want to do that in 2024 yeah, when they might exactly. be trying to make the move up to get a quarterback? Like exactly, exactly. It's a big. So, it's all part of the equation. It, I don't know. It, it is tough. I just wanted to throw his name out there because it's still a possibility. I agree with everything you said, uh, but you know what has to hurt them. And I had this argument uh, this morning with some of my colleagues: is uh, Brandon Cooks going for a fifth and a sixth? Like I know yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. In my opinion, this was the argument I got. He's a better player than Brandon Cooks. He is. But is he that much? Is he a second versus a five and a six better? I don't think he is, in all honesty. I think Cooks is a very, very good receiver, thousand yard receiver. So, yes, I do think there's a gap. Yes, I do think there's a gap. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's that large. I think maybe they get a third for him still for Hopkins, but I don't think they're going to get the second that they want. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Titans have a big need at wide receiver. And then the options are not that many out there right now for them to go improve what the position tight end? this what season. What about tight end? Not to cut you off, but like it factors in. Let's talk pass catchers. They got like one tight end under contract. right? So <laughs> Austin whoa, whoa. Hooper is, uh, as of this visiting. recording, visiting the Raiders. We'll see if a deal materializes there. But regardless, I don't no, think he's yeah. coming back to Nashville. So I, I bet there was no interest there on either side for a reunion, right? Like he probably wanted to move on. They probably want to move on. I'm just adding to the point, right? They've got Chigakwonko and nothing else. At yeah, tight end. I would put Hooper tight end. Back. Yeah, I would put tight end as the second biggest need. And again, we don't even know if they have a left guard. We don't know if they have a starting left guard right now, but I would still say tight end is a bigger need because like you said, Chigakwonko is the only one under contract. There are reports out there that Jeff Swaim could come back which I think would make sense for both sides. Titans um, fans would love it, wouldn't they? <laughs> Titans fans hate him, but he <laughs> he serves a role, and I think he can he do that role well. I agree. No, Everyone thinks he's the worst blocker ever. Uh, I know he's maybe seen some dwindling results in that area, but it's like one of the hardest jobs in football to play that wide position and go crack block and go block DNs, outside pass rushers one-on-one. It's so hard. There's like not even 10 guys that can do it. And I bet if you were to 
pull 32 GMs on 10 blocking tight ends that can actually do it, I bet every single one of them says Jeff Swain can do it. Right. Like that's <laughs> a reason, wide opinion. Yeah. There's a reason Mike Vrabel loves him so much. So aside from those three positions, though, wide receiver, tight end, left guard, I think the other big needs we're looking at are depth. You could potentially yeah. use another running back, depending on what you think of Hassan Haskins, depending on what you think of Dontrell Hilliard. And given Henry's age and point in his career, you could use another running back of the future. Maybe uh, B. John Robinson at pick 11. <laughs> um, and then, you know, quarterback of the future is obviously a big need, but I don't know if that's one that we see them actually address, at least this offseason. Beyond that, it's depth, right? Are there any other positions that stand out? Well, even though they've signed some guys, I still think corner depth is, is potentially one, especially because we talked about the expiring contracts. I look at edge depth and I think maybe, right? If right now you've got, you know, Landry, Key and, and Weaver, maybe you play Autry out there a little bit. I think you could use another body there. I think safety depth is, is, is really bad. Uh, you love the two guys that you have at st- the starters, of course, but who, who was the depth last year? They're all gone, or right? Joshua Kalu's a free agent. I, I think they should bring him back, by the way, because he's also really good on special teams. But I think he's decent depth at safety. I think you should bring him back. Lonnie Johnson signed today with the New Orleans Saints. He's not right. going to be back. I kind of like what he brought to the table. And then Andrew Adams is an unrestricted free agent. And remember, had a really ugly injury that ended his season. And he's like, what, 29, 30 years old. So um, that's a guy I don't know that you can even bring back after it was like a, what was it, like a, a, a ruptured uh, patella or something like that, a torn mm-hmm. tendon. It was something really bad that ended his year towards the end of the year. So you've got no safety depth. So I think that's a big one that you, you need to look at. Uh, yeah. Again, you can sign a guy in free agency for, uh, they go cheap too, safeties, right? Whatever Lonnie Johnson got in New Orleans, he'd probably get an equivalent, right? Just a, a little above and- that minimum. Who did the Eagles just sign? Um, I'm not familiar with him, to be totally blunt. I saw the name. Was it Justin Epps or something like that, I think? Where did this Not familiar. Why did this leave my thing? Justin Evans. Evans, sorry. I said Epps. Who only started four games uh, last season. Um, A depth signing. But anyway, yeah. Bring back Josh Kalu. Bring Safety, back Josh safety depth off the market. Yeah, I agree. I'm, bring I'm bring on back that Josh Canoe. And bring back Corey Levin, too, while we're at it. I know you don't want to bring back everyone, but bring back some interior uh, depth as well. Let's talk about Josh Dobbs, because that, yeah. that happened on Monday. Because I did mention quarterback, and there's some Titans fans who yep. think quarterback of the future could have been maybe Josh Dobbs. He looked decent in his few well, starts. I wouldn't, say, with him. <laughs> I wouldn't say of the future, but... <laughs> um, but he signs elsewhere back with the Browns as of Monday. Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a decent chance Titans would bring him back to be the backup, to push Malik Willis, whatever it is. He ends up back in Cleveland. He was there for a portion of last year. I've actually been writing articles about this. I had a feeling the Browns were in the market for a backup quarterback. Uh, I wrote about it. doesn't surprise me. They lost Jacoby Brissett in free agency, right? He went to the Washington Commanders. No surprise there. He only signed there because he was going to start games while Watson was suspended. Now that that's the case, he wanted to move on. They only had Kellen Mond uh, hmm. under contract behind Deshaun Watson. Cleveland did. So I, I had a feeling they'd go for a backup quarterback. It's a great situation for Dobbs, in all honesty. Hell, he could have, I'm not saying, I don't know one way or another, but he could have had an offer from the Titans, in all honesty, and preferred the Browns. Because you know what? He ain't really competing for a backup job in Cleveland. Because he ain't going to get beat by Kellen Mond. I tell you that yeah, much. Right. But in Tennessee, very good chance he was going to be beat by Malik Willis. Even right, though it just drafted him. 
Exactly, right? What we think of Dobbs versus what we think of Willis. We think Dobbs was a lot better, and he was, but they still have some draft capital, top 100 capital invested in Willis. So even if they brought him back, they're going to give, they were going to give Willis every chance imaginable to win that job. And if it was right. even close, in all honesty, they were probably going to hand it to Willis. And then they're cutting Dobbs, right? Because you're not carrying three. So yeah. Dobbs exactly. ultimately found a better situation for himself in Cleveland. Again, I don't know if Tennessee was interested or not, but uh, it's too bad. You would have liked to see him come back. He was uh, wrote a bit of a underdog story there towards the end of the year, almost got him into the playoffs, would have started a playoff game if he did. Um, you hate to see him go, but best of luck to him in Cleveland. Absolutely agree. I think rounding out where the Titans could use some depth, I would say edge, no doubt about it. We've already talked about how cornerback depth is always a need in this league with the way teams are passing the ball and injuries that happen. And then we've talked about the linebacker competition. I think, you know, they have four pretty good inside linebackers to compete and the best of the best will rise and and win the job. But to me, edge depth stands out as an area of concern. Yeah, I do think I, I touched on it briefly, right? But you've got Harold Landry coming back from a torn ACL. You, I, I love the Arden Key signing again. I can't say enough good things about it. Rashad Weaver is is a, a quality rotational body, is what I'll call him. I think that's the right role for him is to be involved in a rotation. Um, you can play Dina Kowatri out there as they have when they need to. They they cut Bud Dupree. They lost the Marcus Walker uh, in free agency. Mario Edwards yeah. Jr is an unrestricted free agent, not back yet, still available. So yeah, I I do think they could use some depth at edge. And look, it's a really good draft class at edge. To me, and I've studied this draft extensively, it's the second best position um, in this NFL draft. It's the second best group. I've got cornerback at number one, um, which you and I talked about. So it's it's, it's good, right? Especially because they need depth at those positions. Well, you could probably find depth in the fourth or fifth round at those positions. I, I don't think you need to draft one in the first or second. I got like 30, I got like 30 draftable grades on edge and corner a piece. I got like 60 corners uh, and edge players that I, that I think are worth drafting in this draft. So guess what? A couple of them are going to be available third, fourth, fifth round. So look at uh, Rashad Weaver himself, right? Fifth rounder. Was he For, fourth, fourth or, or fifth? fifth? Fourth. I think yeah. fourth. I yeah. think. Um, so it's, it's a good play. It's a good draft to need depth at those positions. At least I'll say that much. Anything else? I think that that covers it from my point of view, but anyone, any other position you want to talk about here? You want to end with some, no, you want to end with some of the silliness about Kevin Byard? Yeah, let's get into that really quickly. The reports are from multiple, multiple people reporting this, that the Titans approached Kevin Byard about taking a pay cut and Kevin Byard said, nah, I'm good, bro. Thanks though. And the Titans have done nothing yet. So will the Titans cut Kevin Byard if he doesn't take a pay cut? Will they look to trade their all-pro safety? Or will they just be like, uh, okay, Kevin, you can play with that contract number. No no problem. Um, I think that, you know, it's it's tough to parse this information accurately because it's obviously coming from Kevin Byard's agent. No one else would benefit from putting this out there. So I think that it's just kind of TBD what happens here. My guess... The Titans and Bayard agree to some kind of deal where he doesn't necessarily take a pay cut. He gets his cash that he's entitled to already, and the cap hit comes down, or at least the future cap hit is in some way altered. I don't know what's going to happen, though. I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. There's definitely a chance that Bayard gets traded or released. Um, the Titans would save $6 million against the cap by releasing Bayard, even though 
There's 13 million in dead cap. Oh. They would save 6 million still. So they, it would no. save them money. But it, to me, it's absolutely not worth it for this season when you're not even really going to be competitive for a Super Bowl. Yeah. By the way, the Josh Dobbs deal just came out. It's fully guaranteed one year, $2 million. So I, I think that's a no brainer for him. Not bad. Yeah. Um, on the topic of Bayard, first of all, I side with him. I don't blame him one bit for refusing a pay cut. I don't think he's someone that's overpaid. Um, I think he's well within his rights to say no to that and power to him. Like if they'd approached Bud Dupree about a pay cut, yeah, I think <laughs> maybe you got to take a pay cut. Kevin Byard? No, he doesn't have to take a pay cut. He played perfect football in 2022 once again. So no, he doesn't. He played, he's even better in 2021, right? So two really yeah. good years back to back after a bit of a down year in 2020. No, he should not take a pay cut. Glad he said no. Uh, he's got a sizable cap charge, 19 million, 2023, according to Spot Rack. Um, what you said there, yeah, they'd save 5.9 million by cutting or releasing him pre-June 1st, 13.6 million dead cap. This is a no-brainer. It'd be such a stupid decision. What are you going to do with that, that 6 million, take on all that dead cap for a really good football player? Doesn't make any damn sense. Yes, they could trade or release him post-June 1st. I think that would save like 14 million against the cap while spreading out the dead cap charge request across 2023 and 2024. One thing people have to remember, though, and I forget this sometimes, you can't designate trades as post-June 1st, like you can releases. The trade mm -hmm. actually has to happen post-June 1st. So at that point, what are you doing? You're getting $14 million in June. What are you going to do with it when free agency is almost done? You're going to yeah. sign your draft class? You're going to get rid of Kevin Byard to sign a draft class? You're going to release Kevin Byard outright again? You're going to do nothing with that money? You're going to trade for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> We got all that money. You got to give Bijan Robinson, right, to come here. Yeah, there you go. So, so. <laughs> sign him to a ten-year, fully guaranteed contract as soon as you draft him. <laughs> so, no, Kevin, it makes no sense to me to dump Kevin Byard. Follow Zach F Words Pod at Twitter. He's got some really good information uh, through his subscription stack in the inbox on Byard. How they can agree to an extension, lower the cap hit, everybody win wins. I'll be yeah. pretty surprised if Kevin Byard's not a Titan in twenty twenty three. I agree with that. I think ultimately is where I come down with those rumors. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we get out of this episode? That does it. We covered it, baby. Good job, Justin. Good job, Justin. I was talking to you, then I was talking to me. <laughs> That'll do it. Thanks to everyone out there for listening to the Music City Audible podcast. What have you got for us to plug today, JM? Well, the first thing I want to say is to our listeners to this episode, they got a first. They got a beefs of the week, a dual... <laughs> <laughs> beefs of the week it was awesome i'm so glad we brought that in um i don't have a whole lot to plug in all honesty if you're a fan of of, of interviewing draft prospects i got a lot of them right now over at the draft network a lot of them one a day a lot of guys titans are targeting i'm breaking constant visit news titans formal meetings top 30 meetings all that the luke gifford interview if you haven't read it head over to broadway read up on that within the next few weeks i'll have a lot more draft content coming to Broadway sports. I think I might start a series. I, I've done this in the past. One offensive tackle in every round. One mm. edge rusher in every round where I'll try to profile a guy um, that the Titans could draft in that said round. Gives you a good all-around view. If they want to tackle in the yeah. second round, here's a guy. If they want one in the sixth round, here's a guy. I've got enough uh, ammunition in the bag to do something like that. So I think I'll start that sometime in April. But head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com for all your Titans needs. 
Nice. I fully agree. Head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com where you can become a Broadway insider today. Check out all the other content Broadway Sports has to offer for 40 Sports. And thanks to the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden again for sponsoring this episode. That'll do it. You can follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. We will be back one week from today to continue the Titans offseason discussion and get more into some draft needs and maybe we'll have some more news to recap when that time comes. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.